Welcome everyone to our podcast, your introduction to Christianity. I'm Stephen. And I'm Jake. And this is Word on the Street, a beginner's Bible study. Hey guys, this is a little mini section uh, as uh, we're going through the Bible. We're using the Luther's Study Bible, the Lutheran Study Bible, and uh, inside the Lutheran Study Bible, there are these little mini sections that provide a little bit of context as to what is going on if there's like a culture reference or something that needs a little bit more explaining, or if there's just little bits of information that can be provided in order to get a better visual or understanding. This is what these little mini sections are for. So what Jake and I are going to do is not just skip over them and just keep on going. We're going to go through them. I'm going to kind of just read through what it has to say, and then we'll kind of do the same little format that we have been doing, where we'll read sections and then talk about just what's going on with that. These ones will be styled a little bit differently. Yeah, they, like I said, they're kind of like little mini devotions. Um, this, that's just kind of how they're written. But it's it, they're little they're really cool so I feel like we should just uh, go through them. Yeah yeah. So uh, if if you guys picked up the Lutheran Study Bible in order to follow us along or have other things like this, then you can go ahead and um, follow along in this section as well. But if not, just go ahead and uh, open those uh, ears of yours and uh, yeah, get a quick listen. All right. Hey Jake, I'm gonna kind of like read, like read this at you, you know. <laughs> Be like, yeah. yeah Jake, <laughs> I, I want you to do this for me. <laughs> oh. All right, Jake, think, think, think of a place of of food in human life and culture. What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you think about food? What, is, what does food mean to you? What is food for you? Hmm. Well, you know. Food is kind of like the embodiment of life, right? Because, you know, you can't live without it. And uh, different kinds of food uh, kind of represent different kinds of... They represent something about the chef, you know? The certain certain touches that they put in the food can can tell you what kind of a person they are. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> I don't, you've, you've only had, like... I think the only time I've ever actually made food for you was that one, like weird birthday party i had at my house a long time ago oh, not yeah. not the not the one where not the like the one in sixth grade but the one with uh the one in like sophomore year of high school where i was like oh let's have a barbecue and we didn't actually like do anything fun until like half the people <laughs> left that was yeah. when i pulled out super smash bros and we were <laughs> Yeah, that was a meme. <laughs> that was quite fun. I think the only yeah, that's the only time I've ever actually made food that you ate. But everything else, the point of this this being brought up, anything I make usually just is like loaded with Italian seasoning. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, hey, it it was it was quite good food as I remember though. So. <laughs> remember of like six years ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know I will remember if it was really bad. And that's also true. Really <laughs> uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, but I, I like that. It's like a yeah, the calling card of whatever. Yeah, but yeah, this is what what this says is that in the most basic way, food is the is what sustains life. 
Um, but it also provides a lot more. So when people want to get to know each other, they go out to eat. Uh, they cut. This is what it says. They cut business deals while they cut into their entrees. <laughs> they mark moments of joy like birthdays and weddings, but they also console one another at funeral dinners. Human life depends and revolves around eating. And God's first actual recorded words to Adam are in Genesis chapter 2, where he talks about food. What Adam should eat and what Adam should not eat in verses 16 and 17. Uh, no doubt curiosity and craving drove Adam to explore his new home, eating his way through the Garden of Eden. God prepared a banquet for Adam and gave him the freedom to eat of every tree in the garden. However, God also put a boundary for Adam. He reserved one tree from which Adam could not eat, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This tree has perplexed entre uh, interpreters, not entrepreneurs, maybe even mm. entrepreneurs, through oh, yeah. centuries. And some have wondered whether the fruit was poison, and mm. others have wondered why a loving God would create an obvious temptation. Mm. Still others have asked why eating the fruit should cause such a great rift between Adam and Eve and their maker. And Jake, this is the question I have for you. What are your thoughts on God creating a tree of knowledge and good and evil and creating a tree specifically to tell Adam and Eve that they can't eat from it? Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a pretty tough question, honestly. Um <laughs> uh, I mean uh, I can't say exactly why, like, he would make that tree, um, though I just know, like, uh, if, um, if you're creating, like, beings that, like, wanna, um, truly, like, show and express love, there, there has to be a sense of, kind of, obedience and, kind of, respect, and if, and um if and if there's that then there has to be something where like hey you you can like um disobey right and i guess yeah. for some reason god just chose to make that in the form of uh a, a bad tree <laughs> <laughs> yeah so one of the things if there are any christians out there on this podcast that are listening one of the things that is the most difficult part about being a Christian is answering some of these weighted questions like, why would God put a tree? That's an obvious temptation. Why would God do that? And you claim he's omnipotent and omniscient. Um, and like if he would know and he already knows that they were going to eat from it if he did it. Uh, and as we get further into Genesis, there's going to uh, further into Genesis and the Old Testament in general, there's going to be more questions on why would a loving God have done that? And it's one of the hardest things to answer as a Christian, because one, uh, I'm not God. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have the right answer for you there. And the other part of it is like, it's, it's one of those things where Sometimes we can give you an answer that we think is correct, but it might not be correct. And that's kind of what Jake and I try to do here is if there are gray areas, we try to answer those questions the best that we can based off of, you know, our, our years of 
learning about the Bible and learning about this God. And one of the things that you learn is that God is God doesn't change throughout the Bible. He's the same God this all the uh, the whole time. He's the same loving God in the New Testament, the Old Testament. He will always be the same and has always been the same. And it's one thing that you you come to believe when you become a Christian is that God doesn't change. So how does the how does the God who loves us so much and and all this other stuff put a tree that like he would knew would spark this whole thing? Mm. And I I pondered this because like I said I, I I went I skimmed through this a little bit and I pondered that whole section of like why would he do this? And like you said, it's kind of that creator creating a creation wants it to do what it's supposed to. Like, I, I am in CS. I do a lot of coding and a lot of programming. If I make a program, I want the program to do what I asked it to do and not do something completely different. If I'm asking it to, like, prompt me with, like, different movies, I don't want it to start naming, like, like 80s hit sitcoms or whatever, because that's not what I asked it to do. <laughs> So it is kind of that aspect of like, there's there's a there's that test of of faith because it's always been about faith even before even before Jesus died there was still faith in God to do what He said that He was gonna do, and when we get into the yeah. Exodus, that's gonna be a huge thing. Is they're gonna be like trust in God, believe in God. There's no Jesus dying on the cross for them, for them to have faith in that. So, so it's the faith in God aspect, and that was the thing. I think that's like the the answer is that's that's the thing. God created man, and was just like, all right, you can have anything else that you want here. Don't eat this. Right away, we have like our our free will, free choice aspect. And I think that, like, why all the rest of us, and not just Adam and Eve, had free will is determined by them eating from the tree. Because now not only do we have the ability to choose uh, free will, but we have the ability to choose what is good and what is evil. And, like, mm. what that means, like, eating from the tree of knowledge and good and evil, what that means for people who don't know is not just being like, oh, hey, I know what good and I know what evil is. It's it Before they ate from the tree, they didn't just think that everything was just meh. Everything was just a thing. Before they ate from the tree, they did not know... They knew... Like, they had a no, no knowledge of what was good and what was evil. They just mm -hmm. followed God. But after they ate from the tree, they now have the ability to decide what they think is good and what they think is evil and that's that separation on not going with what god says is good and evil but deciding for themselves what they think is good and evil they didn't just get tempted by a talking snake and were just like oh this fruit is good they were just like you know what i think i think the snake is right i think that i should be able to do this i feel like i should be able to choose this path 
it, it's kind of worded a little bit weird, but that's just how it it works in a visual thing. They they when it says that they saw that the fruit uh, that the fruit was good for eating, um, they were just like, ooh, you know what? I think this. I think that I can do this. I think God was lying to me. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, that's a really good way to put it, and and honestly, like, it also kind of goes into something we didn't really talk about last episode, which we maybe should have expounded upon a bit more, but, like, the whole, um, the whole phrase, image of God, people have always, like, kind of, uh, pondered and debated on what exactly it means to be created in the image of God, and I think that process of just, I don't, like, we're kind of the only beings that are able to to like consciously like make those kinds of decisions um and and we're not i i mean at least i don't think we're entirely a slave to nature Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah i i when i when i think of that i definitely think of like um oh like the whole image of god aspect and and that yeah um one thing that i learned rather recently is the other definition for imaging um, or for just image in general, when people say image and when people say image of God, they think looks, and that's where they stem for, like, God looks like this. He kind of looks like Santa, but less jolly, because he's a wrathful God sometimes, and probably isn't fat and wears red suits and stuff. You, you, you see, like, the Michelangelo God, who's just, like, an old, uh, old white guy with a white beard, just, like, chilling in clouds. Um... And people think that God looks like that because we were made in his image, so we're similar looking to him. When you think image, you think picture. Um, But one thing that I learned is that image isn't just picture, it's just, it's likeness, you know? Some other translations say that man was created in the likeness of God instead of in the image of God. And what that means... um, is that it was created with the same traits. Not physical, specifically, but just traits in general. Uh, one thing that a lot of me- uh, like major corporations um, do, and uh, the, I work for uh, the state right now. I work for my state, which means that uh, I just am a part of a, a state business. Uh, and I work in their IT division. And one thing that I have to do is any, like, laptop or computer desktop or, like, um, sometimes tablets and phones that we give out to employees, I have to image them so that they have all of the same applications, restrictions, guidelines, um, all of the stuff that every other workstation has. So I have to make sure that they are imaged correctly. And they don't all look the same, but they all have the same application rules and other restrictions applied to them when I image them. And that's kind of that same image of, of God aspect is that, yeah, no, none of us, like, it, it, we don't look like God physically, probably. I mean, no one can really know, but, like, we probably don't look like God, uh, but we... <laughs> We were made in his likeness, being able to have the ability to create, destroy, do all this other stuff that God can do. He gave us that ability. And then Adam and Eve were just like, yeah, you gave me all this stuff, but like, 
But, like, I want to do this thing and not what you told me to do. I'm going to do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, I agree for sure. Uh, the section continues, uh, and it talks about, it says, like, a closer look at the name of the tree is what is able to help answer the questions. Another way to translate the name of the tree is the tree by which good and evil are known. The tree marked a boundary between obedience and rebellion, between life as a creator intended it, and existence without his blessing. There was much more in stake than just a mouthful of food, and God created Adam and Eve for fellowship. He gave them the garden and its fruit to sustain them, and eating the forbidden fruit spurned God's generosity and poisoned every relationship in the garden. A curse fell upon food, the food supply, and God warned Adam and Eve that the ground would one day devour them. So kind of what we were talking about as far as just like, yeah, it, it, there, was, there had to be like that dividing line on like what's, what's good and what's evil. Like God knew that at that moment, and right. he said it was good to do anything except eat from that tree, and that was what was evil. And they were like, meh, no it's not, and <laughs> ate from it. So it was kind of what we were talking about. And then going into hunger and thirst, it says, Today the pursuit of daily bread still pits people and nations against one another. We live under Charles Darwin's vicious doctrine of survival of the fittest. The feasts that bring our families together also whet the appetites of those who hunger for what we have. In some way, technology has distanced us from the thorns and dust of the curse in Genesis 3. The modern farms, farm makes food readily available in ways that would make the ancients salivate. But even the most wholesome food cannot rescue us from the envy from the earth's hungry jaws. Sin still corrupts every man-made paradise. And as Jesus broke bread with his disciples, he urged them to hunger and thirst for something more. As we study the Bible, we need to anticipate blessings from God. Jesus Christ, the gracious Savior, the bread of life, will satisfy every need. By his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death, Jesus made the cross into a tree of life for us. Its fruit and righteous its fruit is righteousness. In the sacrament of the altar, you enjoy a special feast as your Lord and Savior provides you with his own true body and blood, under the bread and wine, for the forgiveness of your sins and the strengthening of your faith. All the feasting recorded in scriptures brings to mind the ultimate feast in heaven, where you will enjoy eternal fellowship with God, and experience our Lord Jesus describes frequently as a great banquet. And... I think that's a cool way to connect, like, and it's just how the Bible works. This is just Luther making the connection. But at the very beginning, God curses the food supply and says that we will eat from, like, eat the dust of, the, we will eat, from, like, work the ground and eat yeah. from the dust of the earth. Uh, and God, and Jesus tells his disciples that, like, hunger and thirst for more than just what is like of this earth and it, it it provides the thing where god god wasn't just being like ah you're gonna be hungry and thirsty all your life it like it wasn't a physical hunger and thirst it was a spiritual hunger and thirst because there's that separation now there's the, the god and man are no longer connected in the way that they should be 
And that's what that, that hunger and thirst is. And God, God saying that I am the, I am the bread of life is that you will hunger and thirst no more for, for spiritual things. It's not physical. It's such a cool connection of like, hey, our spirit is weak because we chose to do stuff our own way and realized how hard it is to do stuff on our own. But here's Jesus saying that by believing and having faith in me, you will no longer have to do things on your own, and I will sustain you. Hmm. I don't know if you have a, have any other thoughts on that or not, but... Yeah, no, I mean... Uh, yeah, no, food and stuff was definitely, like, like a huge deal, like, back... In, in those ancient times and um, and it's like yeah like really um, like like we can't really even imagine like w like not having to like eat or drink now <laughs> uh, in our state because it's like oh well we have to eat and drink all the time but you know trying to like um, uh, like uh, put that in the perspective of just the spiritual too, but just like always just like be like 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 always just being in peace and stuff and having like the fruits of the spirit like constantly and it's like wow like yeah like obviously um, Here on earth we're never gonna completely Achieve that but it's, it's mm -hmm. kind of think about when we will <laughs> Right, yeah, it's it's such a thing, and it, it's it's a lot, it, it's something that I'm realizing now, just like how big of a, like, analogy food is in the Bible. It just happens so often that I didn't even realize it until just after reading this. Like, when Jesus goes on uh, up onto the mountain and does the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it's like... Yeah, the, the kingdom of heaven is talking about having a great banquet, and that's the fellowship with God, and the thirst, yeah. hunger and thirst for righteousness is that spiritual hunger and thirst, but it's the acknowledgement of that spiritual hunger and thirst, because all of us have, uh, all of us hunger and thirst spiritually, every single mm -hmm. one of us, but those who, who recognize it have a different hunger and thirst like Jesus is talking about, like hunger and thirst for something more. Like we... I think every person can admit that they've always felt like there's something missing. Anyone who who just is like has experienced any sort of relationship with God, whether that be um, any different religion, any um, or being an atheist, um, have that that they like probably came across that that thought of like there's something more to what's going on. And people always talk about like what's the meaning of life and everything and without without like god and believing that like and believing in an afterlife whether that is what what whatever that is in a different religion there is no meaning of life if you think about it if like and not to say that like not to be like oh yeah religion's the answer but like if you don't believe in in an afterlife, nothing you do has any meaning to it. It's just you're here, then you're gone. 
and yeah. having that like hunger and thirst for something more than just um, the meaning of life and and like why you're here is is that important part i, I like the I like the food analogies because like you said it's something that all of us can just be like yeah I, i've been hungry before <laughs> mm. i've needed some food before yeah i feel like you know, there there's a christian band called casting crowns i feel like they have a song that like kind of talks about that like be not just being content with like you know uh just <laughs> what's the best way to put it like just the uh the physical life because it's like oh yeah mm -hmm. like live a uh live a normal and uh like typical life or whatever yeah it's it's yeah I think I know what song you're talking about. I I don't yeah, I don't I, think I can I put a name tell to you it. What the name is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this this show from the beginning, the the point and purpose for the creation of man was to be in fellowship with God, and the best way to have fellowship with God was to indulge in His creation and to eat from the food. <laughs> that he provided and not from the food that he said not to eat. And it was kind of just, yeah, a line drawn in the sand as like, you can do this. I, if, like, I, I, you have the free will to do this, but I'm telling you, no, it exists. But I say that you are not supposed to eat from this tree. Yeah. So that's kind of the answer. And while that may be an unsettling thing, it is, yeah, that line of obedience of, you need this to happen. It's like a parent disciplining a child, right? Any aspect of, of, of parenting like, involves putting limitations on things. Especially, like, one of the biggest things is, like, the kid with the cookie jar situation. Like, there's a, there's a jar full of cookies. And the mom says that the kid can have one a night. And if the kid is to take more, like, he can feel like he can do it in a sneaky way. But the mom will know. Just, just will know. The mom will always know if you steal more. Even if she doesn't say anything. Like, that, that's that aspect of, like, yeah, the mom knows that. They, like her child can steal more cookies from the cookie jar if he wanted to, but she's putting that that boundary, that line in the sand, saying, "If like don't do this, you can do this, but don't do this." She's not just gonna completely remove the cookie jar from the situation in order to, to prevent this from happening. Because it's about taking responsibility and having that obedience aspect. Yeah, and it's like in Adam and Eve's case, they could have... <laughs> it's like they had the option of like eating from any other dessert, and then the one dessert they couldn't have was the one they decided to have. <laughs> exactly, and God's not just going to be like, I, I told you not to eat from this tree, but you know what? To, to, to help you guys out, I'm just going to remove it from existence. That, that's not how it works. God, you're not supposed to... God's not supposed to prevent us from sinning. We're supposed to prevent us from sinning. It's, it's yeah. not God's job to stop us from sinning. It's our job to, to not sin. 
in order to have that that connection with God, but we just we just don't do that. It's not feasible for us. Yeah. So yeah, I hope this uh this clarifies a little bit more. If you guys had any questions on what was going on with with God in the Garden of Eden and why he just why it seemed that he just you know decided to damn all of mankind right then and there after creation. If you guys want to listen to more of uh, if you guys want to listen to the episode in which we talk about and read through the portion of the Bible that this section is talking about, go ahead and check out the story of Adam and Eve and talk uh, in Genesis one through four. It'll be listed in the episodes when you guys watch this one. So go ahead and check that episode out. Uh, and go ahead and listen to uh, other episodes that are coming out after this. And if you guys have any questions, go ahead and email us in the description.